Hey besties, it's Tina, Karen, and Jules here. Tools down, time to chat work, life, well-being, and relationships. You're listening to Let's, Let's Take, Take It, it Offline. Off Welcome back to another episode of Let's Take It Offline. It's Jules here. If you have loved listening to us, don't forget to rate us five stars, like, subscribe, and let us know what topics you want to listen to. In this week's episode, we have a special guest, James Peng, who was a friend of a friend of mine. He has had a phenomenal career, achieved Forbes 30 under 30, worked at some reputable companies like Tinder, Grab, Arta Finance, and he's here to share his career journey, the way he went about switching industries to tech, building his brand, and also moving countries and his experience. Welcome to the podcast, James. Angels. James and I, we actually don't know each other all that well, but we got acquainted through a few mutual friends um, or rather one mutual mutual friend. So shout out to uh, my high school friend, actually, Sian, who, who's hooked us up and he'll probably be listening as well. James, the reason why I came across um, your profile whilst talking to Sian was actually because about 10 or 15 years ago, we were sharing best practices on Tinder and Bumble. Um, and, 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 you know, he was giving me advice on how the algorithm works in terms of what we should put in our profile picture, et cetera. And I think I've, I may have shared it with um, a couple of, of the girls before, but as I said, it's going back 10 or 15 years. So you might have to give us a bit of an update firstly for the ladies on the call, uh, Tina and Karen, and even for some of our listeners, some tips for our listeners later who are, you know, seeking love in, in 2023 as well. But that's not why you're on today. The reason why we wanted to speak to you, James, is because you were on the Forbes 30 under 30. So before we actually dive into that, James, welcome. We do want to get to know you a little bit better. And the first question I would like to get into was maybe a bit of an introduction about you and a bit about your career journey. Thanks for having me on and uh, thanks for the intro. I'm happy to, you know, give... Uh, all the tips, all the dating Tinder tips and updates and the algorithms and all that kind of stuff afterwards, um, you know, as much as I can help. But quick introduction, <laughs> um, I'm currently based in Singapore, so we're a little bit behind t- time from uh, Oz, but um, I've been here about three years. I'm previously from, uh, from well, I'm actually from Texas, uh, lived in New York and the Bay Area for a yeah. period of time, but my background's in finance uh, work-wise, and I started my career in investment banking worked in private equity for uh, a while. Uh, after that, I kind of like did a career switch. I moved over to like marketing and really specifically digital and perform this new world of like performance marketing and started growing consumer businesses uh, like mobile games, match.com, Tinder, Coinbase, a lot of other companies out in the Bay Area before I moved to Singapore. And then as I've been out in Singapore, you know, did a few things, worked for a company called uh, Grab, which is like a super app that basically does food delivery, transportation, and payments. And I've also actually done, I've worked across a lot of different industries um, from, you know, from crypto to dating, even in, even in religious tech. So (laughs) it's really all over the space. Um, that basically all focused on uh, practice of like growing user bases and getting getting um, getting business consumer businesses into the hands of you know as many people as possible and keep, keeping them engaged, retained, and bringing more people in. 
And so that's where really my practice really yeah. focuses on. I'm currently focused on working at a, at a wealth tech company called Arda Finance, based kind of in US and, and, and Singapore, which is why, you know, can work from out here, but focused on helping users, uh, helping like consumers and individuals to build their wealth through investing and through, uh, through technology. Yeah, happy to dive into any of that. But, you know, now I've uh, been in Singapore for, for a while. I have uh, my wife here, um, my wife, Jing here, as well as uh, we have a we have a two year old dog, Cavapoo, named Brisket. Aww. <laughs> yeah. Brisket, I love that. Yeah, so interesting. You mentioned um, Grab because I was in Vietnam early in the year, and I use Grab to go everywhere, like motorbike and also car. And yeah, like in Vietnam and in Asia, you can get anything delivered with Grab. <laughs> in like five seconds it's impressive it's so um, good i use it in yeah. my labor as well tina and it was amazing and also um glad that you clarify you worked at match.com <laughs> because for our listeners um james is not a super swiper or anything like that he just worked <laughs> at um match.com and that's how he knows all about the algorithms and um how to optimize your profile <laughs> So I think we've probably got a whole bunch of like questions as you give us, given us all those insights on your career there, James. But before we actually delve deeper, we just want to play a quick little rapid fire questions game, if you like, with you just to get to know you a little bit better. Are you ready for it? for it? Holding on to your seat? <laughs> Trying to. <laughs> All right. So this is probably a good one for you now that you've transitioned to like Singapore, but pizza or tacos? Uh, you know, the one thing we miss out on is there's not good Mexican food here. So taco trucks all the way. <laughs> <laughs> I actually was just in Vegas over the new year period for, for a work conference. And I have to say, yeah, the US really does do Mexican food really well, even at the chains. It was awesome. Yeah. I, I don't know if you've been out here. The food is amazing in almost like all, all respects in terms of price, the variety, yeah. but we don't have yeah. good Mexican food. So I miss that. Mm. Hawker food is next level. Yeah, <laughs> I'm drooling. I'm drooling actually because yeah, Hawker's Hawker's markets are one of my favorite things to do. All right, next question: uh, basketball or baseball? Um, I would say I used to watch baseball like when I was uh, kind of in high primary uh, high school and, and college, but uh, basketball a lot more recently. Uh, originally Mavs mm. fan, but oh. you know, living in the Bay Area for like eight years, go Warriors. Ooh, oh, all right. Yes. All right. I actually went for my first basketball game ever in my life when I was in LA. Went to see um, LeBron play for the Lakers and 76ers. So that was just, I think, um, lucky that I was there for the right time. So, yeah, it was Very good. Nice. I enjoyed it. Perfect. Next one. What was the last thing you searched on Google, James? So, the last thing I searched was actually the <laughs> cherry blossom forecast in, in Japan because. I'm trying to figure out a trip for the next few months. We actually, last Very week, we nice. actually went to, to um, Japan to, to go skiing over Lunar New Year. Oh, wow. But yeah, over like in April, we're trying to figure out the forecast. So just book some tickets, going to gonna figure out, like going to basically go go and uh, ride the bullet train and chase the chase the cherry blossoms. Oh, beautiful. Ooh, oh, that's that's so the forecast, is the forecast saying April is the time to go? Yeah, James? it's like um, beginning of April to end of April, but it's actually moving around. So that's why you have to like keep track of the forecast really tightly. <laughs> I love that. We have to we have to get some tips from you so we can work out when to go. Hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. All right. So next one, phone. Are you a phone call person or a text uh, 
person. Neither. I'm not good at either. Um, I'm an in-person kind of guy. Um, but out here, we it's a WhatsApp. So everyone's on WhatsApp. Um, yeah, used to text more in the Bay Area, but no, that, that's how we communicate. Is it because you get the double tick? Like, you know, when someone's reading your messages, I love that. Like double tick. You read it and you haven't responded. Yeah, I think it's just easier to use and you can send like, you know, funny gifts and all that. Um, but, you know, I'm just not a good texter. Not a good texter. All right, we won't text you. <laughs> we'll just we'll just have to like come and meet you in person, and we'll go eat Singaporean. Yeah, crab. just be fun. Just 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 um. Yeah, you gotta find me. Yeah, we'll come find you. All right. Um, a couple more. Are you a laundry person or a dishes person? Can I say neither? <laughs> but uh, I mean, I'll you what? That does it all. I mean, if I have a, if I have to choose dishes, um, because that usually means I eat something good. So, and I, I like to cook. So, uh, yeah, let's go with dishes. Are you the chef in the family? I am. I am. I mm. try to cook as much as I can, especially after like COVID. COVID wise, like we were trying to cook like almost every day just to be healthy and whatnot. But um, yeah, just really gotten into it. Uh, especially after we got a dog, it's harder to eat out. So, mm. yeah, you can't bring the dog out. Well, you got to f- try and find cafes where they even do doggy donuts and stuff, and it's hilarious. They're like a little baby. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, I've got two more for you, James. Dine in or delivery? I think I know your answer. Well, I'll go back to cooking. I I, I like to cook as much as I can. Mm. I, we just went grocery went for a grocery haul yesterday and uh, lined up all this all the stuff we're gonna make this week. So, um, you know, if I if I have a chance, I'll I'll uh, we'll grill some grill some meats and um, make some good like Chinese food. Brilliant. What what particular do you have a particular dish that's your staple? Probably like braised pork belly that I throw in the pressure cooker. Yeah, it comes out super nice, but um, I kind of mix like uh, mix Asian food and uh, and kind of Western cooking styles. So tend to like tend to yeah, it'll be a bit of fusion in my kitchen. All right, we love it. We love it. Maybe your next venture is like a fusion restaurant somewhere that we have to come and visit. <laughs> That'd be a great segue. <laughs> Well, it's actually quite time consuming, so I'm not sure if it's going to be a good side hustle in that sense. All right. So last but not least, US versus Singapore. Oh, man. Yeah, you can't ask me that on the record. But um, (laughs) I I loved growing up in the US and it's, it's, you know, I I think I have the best memories. Um, Maybe it's like recency bias, but I'm just, I'm loving Singapore right now. It's... um, the travels, uh, you know, I, I can go everywhere within, you know, within a within a stone's throw. And again, the food is incredible. So I'm loving Singapore for so many reasons, whether it's the food, friends, family, the uh, and career, too. It's been it's been really fun out here. So I right now that's the hot spot. I think um, uh, maybe maybe back to the U.S. one day. But, you know, yeah, I, I love it out here. That's some great insights because, you know, I think I'm always looking for the next new country to live in, um, but it, it becomes a little bit harder when you have a little pup, right? you got to think about them as well. Let's talk. Um, but we I'll, digress. I'll give you the pitch. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you can pitch me later. <laughs> um, that, that rounds out our rapid-fire questions, James. But we want to get into the heart of the conversation here today, and that is just getting to know you, getting to know uh, like how you approach career and and some of the key topics that like um, 
a lot of millennials are thinking about these days, but not just that, but like career people in the technology industry as well. Now, you mentioned that you moved around a couple of places, starting at like private equity and then um, taking a journey into marketing. When you look for these career moves, um, what's like your specific thought process that you go through and to decide what you want to do next? You mean company and like skills wise, right? I think, um, yeah, yeah. when I'm looking for like, what next? I think the question is like, you know, it, what do you need to move in? And what, what are you really aiming for? I think for me, career wise, I'm always looking for growth. And that means a lot of different things, but probably one of the biggest things it means is how can I use my skills to create the greatest amount of value in each company? And that means different things at different times of your career, as well as different companies. And so early on in my career, like growth meant like, hey, growing my own skill set, meaning, you know, that's the first thing you really want to do coming out of school is I don't know a lot. I just want to learn and be a sponge and absorb everything, right? Kind of after collecting a lot of these skills, then later on, it means like, hey, how do I use these skills to grow, start to grow these businesses and, um, and you know, basically use use that those capabilities to um, create that massive value because creating value equals, you know, the ability to make, make, um, uh, to get paid a lot more for that too. And also to work on more interesting businesses. Right. And so, um, just to give a little bit of background, like what that's kind of looked like in my career, like, uh, that meant like in my, my first few years, first few roles, like building a really, uh, working in banking, building that analytical, uh, skill set. And then taking that to um, to apply it to a whole new practice like marketing, mm-hmm. using the analytical base and applying it to how to market businesses, how to grow them, how to speak to consumers, and eventually being able to grow like massive user bases for companies like Tinder, like uh, like uh, Coinbase, Grab, and then figuring out how to make that into your practice. Because at the end of the day, um, the goal is to have a skill set that's really unique to you and be able to do something that, you know, it's not easy for others to do. You specialize in something, you're the best at it in your field. And um, you learn how to do it in a very kind of unique way with all the skills, experiences, and and practices from all the businesses that you've influenced along the way. And so I would say that's what I look for is is that ability to, to grow and create value uh, along my career. You know, when I make a lot of career decisions, um, I'm often asking myself that question. Mm. So is that consistent ability to learn new things apply the skills in the best way to grow as a as an individual but also to help companies grow too right where is the greatest amount of value creation is that in yourself or have you got have you accumulated Mm -hmm. that much value in your own skills to now be able to you know to be able to create value for these businesses i think there's a clear like inflection point Mm -hmm. in everyone's career when you know that the answer to that question kind of really changes and so I think the answer to that mm. and what mm. and what people care about is going to be very different depending on where you are and what you care about. But, uh, you know, at least for me, that's what I look for, because that's what's given me really the most excitement, the most thrill and the most ability to really influence and and uh, drive businesses. Yeah. What's your philosophy, James, when it comes to planning your career? Like, Are you the type of person that will look into the future and say, well, in 10 years, I want to do this. And then so I'm going to work out the roles in between that will lead me there. Or are you more like, well, the next opportunity seems like a really good one. And I'll jump at that. Oh, really good question. I think um, <laughs> career is such a, such a funny thing because I feel like, you know, in school and uni, you take all these classes, but none of the classes actually teaches you how to build a career. And that's kind of the funny thing. 
right? Yeah, that's like a whole new, <laughs> yeah, that's a whole new subject. Yeah, uni. <laughs> some people are really lucky to have like really good mentors coming out of uni where they're, they're like, oh, you know, you should do these top things or consider these things. You know, I wasn't that fortunate. I had some guidance, but um, I had to kind of figure a lot of it out for myself. And so the way I think about it is your kind of end goal is like kind of the most important thing to understand, because if you do know what that end goal is, the more certain you are about it, the more deliberate you can craft like kind of all the 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 pivots, the changes, decisions in your career to, to kind of hit that. Right. And um, I think if you don't know that, that if that's OK, it, it can be a hazy end goal. But every step you take along the mm -hmm. way is going to going to help you to refine that vision of what it is until until you can do that better than, you know, ideally most of the folks in the space. And so for me, you know, kind of when I started my career, I was like, oh man, what the heck do I want to do? I actually had no idea, but I wanted to pick, and because I had no idea, I wanted to pick kind of that thing that would give me the most um, opportunity down the road. So that's why, you know, I started in the investment banking analysis side of things to, to basically oh, yeah. give me the greatest opportunity to do a, a wide range of things. I had no idea I'd end up in marketing, right? And that's that's a totally, uh, you know, completely big, um, <laughs> a big shift. And so, you know, yeah. along the way, uh, I think that becomes really a lot clearer to you in terms of like, hey, these these are things that I really that really make me tick, that I'm ex I'm excellent at, and that I could potentially, I would say, like, uh, learn and do better than others. I think some of the key questions to ask yourself along the way is not every job is actually for everyone. And I think the way that you can figure out what can be a good fit for you is you need to understand yourself pretty well. And I usually, I, I usually bring a decision matrix into the mix, meaning I ask myself a few key questions. Like number one is what am I, what am I good at? Like, what am I definitely excellent at? You know, for example, maybe that's talking to people, maybe that's negotiation, maybe that's analysis. And question two is what am I, what am I not good at? Maybe, maybe I'm not good at management or maybe it's like detail oriented tasks, things like that. What do I want to, what do I want to improve? Like, what are the skills that I really want to develop? For, for example, that might be public speaking or uh, might be negotiation. And then what am I passionate about? So what would I ideally love to do if, if, you know, if I could, and if, if nothing else stopped me from doing it. And so maybe that's something like, again, like, um, uh, info, like growing a business or running my own business or something like that. I think these are the questions I ask myself every every stage of my my career to figure out, hey, how do I align these things? Because I, I think it's extremely difficult and or close to impossible to find alignment with all these things. Some people are very lucky to have that. But if you're not, I think if you find the ability to kind of combine the most of these aspects together, hey, you're not only gonna have a better time at it, you're mm. gonna do it better and you're gonna you're gonna enjoy what you're what you're doing a lot more. So that that kind of decision process has helped me to like craft and kind of refine yeah. a lot of my moves as I've made them in my career. And I think you actually lay a pretty good foundation for the next question that I have, which is around um, skill mobility. So you talk about building your portfolio of skills. And a lot of us, when we think about our next career move, it could be that you want to go into an industry or role that you've never done before. So I'm curious as to how you would um, position those skill sets. Um, say, for example, when you moved from finance to marketing, as you said, like, you know, you knew next to nothing about marketing. So how did you sort of package up your previous experience to position yourself in the next role i think i think like pack, trying to move is one of the most challenging things that a lot of people will go through if they do and trying to change making a kind of a career change and 
the, I think the key to making that shift, if you're planning on it, is, you know, you don't want to start from zero, right? Because that's like the biggest, I think that's the biggest hit is your, in your career, your experience is everything, right? Because that really adds up. Hey, I did this for five years, I did this for 10 years, and it really adds up and adds weight and um, experience to everything that you're doing, as well as the ability to earn more. So I think um, the step one is, hey, is there a way to package your skills and tell that story and, you know, be able to be that stronger candidate? And so, you know, as an example, I was trying to make a switch from finance to marketing. And so I, my goal was to not, to not to start from scratch, not to start as a, you know, entry-level marketer. So I think what I had to do was mm. to basically package it in a way where, hey, look, because of all the skills I have and because of my experiences, because I've done financial analysis and done investment banking, hey, there are ways I can actually do, I can actually do a lot of aspects of marketing, you know, better than, you know, I would say career marketers and people who have been kind of born and bred in marketing. And, you know, my job was to package my my skills in a way that I can convince someone that I can do this better because of that, you know, different perspective and because of the unique, unique skills that I've got along the way, like um, things that, you know, a traditional marketer might not be able to mm-hmm. do. And so I found a line of marketing that that fit really well with my skill set. For example, what I did was my initial job was it's called user acquisition and performance marketing. And so what that is, is basically running, running and doing marketing in a way that is very analytical and very uh, return on investment focused. And so that's all I did in, in finance. And it was was look at numbers and um, really calculate return on investment all day long. And so my uh, what I focused on was telling that story and um, you know, basically talking and talking to uh, CEOs and companies and explaining to them like why, why you know why I could do this better. Um, it wasn't easy because not everyone wants to talk to you when you're not what they expect and when you're not you know what they're looking for in the JD. But I think you got to think of really creative ways to get your foot in the door too, which you know happy to talk through those. Mm. And it's I think there's a lot of storytelling that's involved in that as well. Um, like similar to you, I also sort of changed my career from marketing to technical account management to sales. And so throughout the process, like a lot of time, the managers told me that you know actually we found your profile quite interesting because you didn't actually box yourself into one area and you branched yourself out into different disciplines or you know uh, different teams. So I think that's always a good story to tell as to how you acquire your skills along the way and how you upskill yourself and that's me- that mentality of always learning. The other question that I'm is in terms of self promotion. Um, whether it's at work internally or building an external profile, how do you approach that in a way that is authentic and also in a way that is value adding to the people you're connecting yeah, with? I think um, that's definitely a super important topic because I, I think for a lot of folks, a lot of my close friends, and we talk about this all the time. And um, I think one of the challenging things a lot of people find is, is even promoting yourself to begin with. A lot of people don't, um, don't even think about it, meaning like don't think about their own brand as they build their career. But I think one of the toughest things or one of the things that's critical is as you build your career, you have all these great skills, but hey, don't you want people to know about it? Isn't it important for people to know about it too? So you have to like, you know, market yourself if you're, as you're accumulating your skills, getting really good at what you do, honing your craft. You also have to make sure that the people that you want to know about it, know, can find out about it or know about it, have heard about you, right? And so you have to find out good ways to do that. I think, um, and even looking at this, there you want to be able to market yourself at least as well as 
at least as strongly as the skills that you've developed. I do think there's such thing as over-marketing too, but I think on the, on the grand scale, most people have probably underinvested there. And so what that means is, you know, getting your name out there, talking to people in the industry, making sure that the right folks are aware of who you are and what you can do. And so there's a lot of ways to do that, right? Whether it's like having a voice and maybe that's speaking at conferences or having a presence in your company, knowing influential people in your field. But I do think like marketing is super critical because especially later in your career, at least most most career lines, um, what's important is those relationships because that leads to you know everything and the value that you can create, whether it's, hey, I'm going to make a business with you or I'm going to make these deals with you or I'm going to do interesting things with these people. Um, it's all about the relationships later on. So um, that that and that's pure, you know, marketing and business development. Yeah. And I love that you really look at your career almost like lead generation. If you look at branding and almost like a sales pitch as well, right? We can always apply the skills that we have to ourselves. But one of the things, James, the nomination process for the Forbes 30 under 30s for you, like how did you go about that? Yeah. So there's... Um, a few ways. I think you can either get nominated by someone, you can self-nominate and whatnot. There's a few different ways to kind of get in that process. I think it's changed a little bit um, as of now, so my info might be a little bit outdated. But that's step one, is when you when you nominate, whether it's self or someone else, you get put into a pool, and that pool essentially um, you know, gets filtered by the selection committee uh, whenever that period is. I think when I was, when I was looking at it, that selection period was... Um, I think towards Q3 or Q4 or something like that, but just making it within that deadline um, that year. And then that gets you into like step one. Uh, once once you're in that in that kind of um, first phase, then they decide, hey, these people look interesting. These people, um, these are the people that we want to, I want to take another look at. They'll, I think they'll either do diligence or do some research and, um, or contact you further to like talk about, mm. you know, your, your capabilities and why, you know, why we deserve to be on the list. And then like kind of between there to like the actual uh, actual announcement, I think actually there, was, there wasn't there was a lot of uh, communication that uh, between me and the committee. So I think um, it was actually a big surprise to me when I got it, like, because I think it's not like uh, after some of the initial combos, um, I think there's a there's a rigorous selection process, but it wasn't really clear to me like what, like how, how that was decided after, you know, after kind of initial contact. Oh, look regardless of um you know the rigor around how you got it congratulations i mean what an achievement right i think that that's an awesome thing especially in your career and you're also still very young so i think that uh, kudos to you for doing everything that you did whether it's you know the branding side everything you've achieved from a career standpoint um that's that's awesome work james thanks so much yeah i think um kind of to your point a lot of the basically everything everything kind of contributes to it, right? It's, they ask for, you know, your your branding, what you've done, portfolio and all these kind of things, um, as well as like, you know, the words from mm. your recommend, your yeah, the people that are recommending you. So I think, um, yeah, it's hard mm. to know at least like which factors, but I think it is like, they do look at everything. Yeah. Do they send you a big trophy <laughs> or plaque to make sure that you have that immortalized? Um, no, they didn't. <laughs> I think, um, I think you get a spot on the website. But um, and you, you get to join their like global Slack group. Um, so they have this like Slack group for 30 under 30, which is cool. And you get to go to their, they have these summits that are just for like 30 under 30 every year. So I think the community and the alumni base is like probably the most, like the most awesome thing that, that you get as part of that nomination. Uh, but yeah, no, no big, mm. pl- no big plaque. Uh, I think I was, 
I was in one of the, I guess, like somewhat earlier classes. So the prizes might have changed. Maybe you get like a Tesla or something now. Wow. <laughs> Just that, kidding. Wow, that would be it. That would be better than a plaque. <laughs> I feel like I need to try harder, but I, my time is gone. It's well past 30s. <laughs> Yeah. Um, hey, James, we, I'm keen to get your perspective on a view of tenure as well within an organization. I think there's um, uh, certainly I've come across it in my career before where where certain managers are expecting you to stay a particular time in role or a particular time in company before you can move. But having kind of made specific moves yourself throughout your career, keen to get your view on your perspective on tenure, like whether it's something that is as important as Prince probably was years ago, or is it really to take the next best opportunity regardless of timing? Yeah, I think this is a fine balance because there's a lot of elements at play here. And I want to be careful with my answer because it does vary from like industry to industry. And there's some industries where Mm. it's okay to move around a bit more because skills are very like, you know, flexible and fluid. So for example, like tech, you can do that. Whereas like in some like uh, more legacy industries um, like uh, CPG or others, maybe that longer tenure might be more valuable um, to the folks that are hiring as well as, as well as those companies. So I wanted to just set that context first um, so that think about that, that lens. But that aside, like looking earlier in your career, you're generally focused on like up-leveling your skills, right? Like when you hit that market. So I think, I mentioned something about like, what, what is that thing you're focusing on? And mine was like really that growth, that internal growth. And so the right time to move on, like is actually when you're in your first few roles, that's when you've plateaued your growth at that company. And so that's going to be totally different for everyone. Meaning like, maybe it's, Hey, I've learned everything I can learn um, in two years, or maybe that's, Hey, I learned everything I can learn, but they gave me another way to learn more, or they promoted me to this other um, role. And so Think about that because just because you got promoted doesn't necessarily mean that it's the right time to move on. But I think I'm focused early in my career, focused on maximizing those skills so that I can I can get those skills faster than anyone else. Mm-hmm. And I can, you know, really be able to exhibit that when I when I go to these companies because I and be a be a really respected professional. Because later on in your career, after you've really honed those capabilities, you really wanted to put it to use and create some long-term value. And so that's when it becomes more valuable to put in a bit more time, build those really critical relationships, build credibility. And if you're in a tech company or you, you get a lot of serious option and share value over time, that's really, as you know, in tech, that's really where the money is over the long term. So I think that's that's what you um, will, will be super valuable once you get once you're a little bit further on your career. Right. And so mm-hmm. I think these things are all really important to, to talk about, because think about your hiring manager. If they look at your resume and they, they look at, you know, that track, are they going to want you? Whether it's, hey, this person's worked for one company, they're super loyal, but do they have the skills? And then vice versa. Oh, this person has clearly has a lot of skills, but they don't have loyalty. Like, where's, can you, if you're asking yourself from the, from the position of your manager, your future manager and the, and the roles that you want down the road, would you hire you? You know, and what, and if you, and if the answer is maybe, how do you make that a hell yes, right? Because I think that's what you really want to make sure is like there's benefits on both sides. You want to find the absolute like best like balance. Um, And one like Mm. really important tip too is that I've learned is like always remember that your company is not your family. It's a business. So at the end of the day, like loyalty matters on the resume, but a business isn't going to be loyal to you. 
if push comes to shove, like mm -hmm. cost cutting in a recession. So you really got to watch your own back, right? Yeah, it's happening right yeah. now. <laughs> exactly. It's happening right now yeah. as this week. Yeah. 100%. It's a really good point. Yeah, those are all absolutely all valid points. And, you know, you made me think about whether um, I would hire myself to definitely a lot of different skills that you probably would look at in terms of acquiring. And we talk about this in our previous podcast is, you know, if you are looking for that next role, how do you go and get some of those skills that you don't have today? So you can really position yourself in the right time and space, even if you are tenured for, let's say, you know, 20 years as long as you show various different types of skill set that you're always learning, I think that that shows a lot more merit than you potentially moving to, you know, other companies as well. So I guess it's a, it depends type of answer, I think right? It absolutely depends. And it is about the ability to tell that story, right? Because if you're to your future mm -hmm. manager, it has to make sense why you're doing this because, and the reason it has to make sense is because as they're looking through and let's say they hire you for a role where the story doesn't necessarily make sense where you know you're you you say let's say let's just take a hypothetical example let's say you want to jump from i don't know marketing to uh, strategy consulting you're making that big jump and they're asking why and you're like well i want the role it sounds awesome and you know the pay is good and all that but the story doesn't make sense and let's say you make that move make that move you might realize down the road that hey it might not be a great fit and you might move on down the road, the, the manager is in charge of making sure that all of the elements are there. It makes sense and that you're going to want to be there for the, for longer than six months or a year, because if they've done all this job, all this work recruiting you, and then you then realize afterward, after a while, that's not a fit, then, you know, everyone's kind of wasted their time. Right. So I think a lot of this is really important in figuring out like how to make that, how to make sure that again, like you're going to be the best at your role you know, when you're, when you're put into that seat. Yeah. And on top of that, we worked out a couple of weeks ago or in one of our previous podcasts that recruiter fees are also not exactly cheap. It's, you know, up to 25% of uh, the base salary of the person you place, right? So are you getting your ROI if people are just essentially leaving within a short time period as well? So they're all great key points that companies think about, but also things that we like to think about when we make that move as well. James, we've loved hearing about your career journey, how your thought process works and how you operate. We want to just, I guess, pivot to a different lens still in the workplace, but more around diversity in the workplace. And would love to hear from, I guess, a male's perspective, some of the things that might have worked in your favor, especially around the cultural shift, right? Moving away from the US and now living in Singapore. What has that experience been like for you? Yeah, it's been super eye-opening because it really kind of opens yeah. you up to how the world works. And just for context, um, so my background is I'm first generation Asian American uh, born in the U.S. My parents are um, from Taiwan. And so kind of growing up, I had that, you know, I, I, don't, I had this like kind of stereotypical Asian American experience, but a lot of it wasn't living outside the U.S. And so my view, my worldview is really constrained. And I thought everything was like, you know, everyone's experience was like mine living in the U.S. But I think it's a really, that was a kind of really unique background. And it was, I experienced quite a lot of like racism as I was growing up, whether it's racism in, in school and just out in public or 
sometimes in the workplace too. And that's pretty standard and you kind of get used to it in a lot of like Western countries. You know, I did definitely felt like there's a lot of balance being, being Asian American in the U.S. just because there's always that, especially in like legacy fields, like let's say like finance, like where I started my uh, career. A lot of the people that I worked with were either were in really senior roles. They were either like generational bankers or had deep family ties. And I, I didn't have a lot of that. And that was very clear, like, you know, who's getting preference in some of these roles. So it was clear to me, at least in a lot of places where I was working, that if you had the right connections, you didn't necessarily need to, you know, do all the things that everyone else did to continue to move up the ladder. You know, I, I, eventually in my career, I moved to Silicon Valley. I started working on startups. Perspective was a little bit different in that world because things suddenly became a lot more meritocratic and a lot based on based more on skills and ability to lead. But there's also a lot of degree of like kind of work politics and things like that, even in that environment. And I think ethnicities and um, still still came into play there in terms of like senior roles and being able to get promoted. I will say like kind of moving to Singapore. It's that was probably the biggest like kind of cultural shock and difference to me because, you know, I started working at a company that was headquartered out of, out of Singapore. It's Grab. It's a large multinational company and leadership at Grab is a lot of expats and with deep skills and education from the Western world and blue chip companies. And so that was really eye opening to me because suddenly you're in a place where um, uh, they're looking for they're looking for that Western perspective and looking for people with a lot of that a lot of that background that of companies that you know that they look up to and want to be like i saw a lot of those kind of cultural differences a lot of that western experience and background that i have actually like play in my favor like uh, you know when i made that change because a lot of the like being able to kind of grow businesses like tinder coinbase that that became really respected once i entered this world in singapore and also like in, out here they actually have shown a lot of that value and a lot of that western experience as well as like even being like Asian from a Western background, that actually makes makes a big difference. There are also a lot of like subtle things to it culturally as well as like even like speaking in the workplace. Like just so you know, like for for example, in Singapore, Singapore is kind of like a big melting pot of cultures. What that means is that there's a lot of languages here spoken. The the primary language is English, but there's even with English, the ethnicities that are that are local here, there's so many accents. So it's very difficult to understand, you know, when they all kind of come together. But usually the Western accent is the one that's <laughs> most easily understood. So you realize that when you're in the meeting room presenting in, you know, very like less accented, like, like English, like actually works out really well. So subtle things like that, I noticed giving you a big edge in the, in the, in the workplace. And then things are also experienced where there weren't those upwards, like upwards bounds, like the bamboo ceilings didn't really exist because of those cultural elements. It's really eye-opening. Mm. I can talk about this all day long because I have a lot of like examples and experiences, but yeah, yeah it's been, it's been fascinating to me. Yeah. You, you actually touched on, uh, I was going to ask you a question on your view on the bamboo ceiling, but you covered it pretty much, but I'm going to spin it in a different way. It's like when you are building a team for yourself as well, how do you balance the diversity in your team in the States versus now in Singapore, do you consciously put, uh, make decisions where like this concept of the bamboo ceiling is no longer like a limiting factor for certain mm -hmm. individuals? Um, and sorry, was that when I'm hiring and building a team? Is that, is that what the, yeah, yeah, <clears throat> correct. Yeah. Yeah. At least, um, I think from my view, uh, when I'm hiring a team, it's, it's definitely based on what you can do and then your attitude when doing it. So, and that's been the same kind of regardless of where I am. For example, in the Bay Area, 
definitely there's a lot of elements at play, things that you need to consider. But <clears throat> I think the most important thing there is just, hey, can I hire the, the absolute best person that, that can do, that has these skills? And are they going to be able to take care of themselves in the workplace and manage manage me as opposed to vice versa? Like those are the questions I ask myself mm. when, you know, ask myself and that person when when hiring for my team, because that's the, that's the same truth globally, ideally. But I will say the skill sets and perspectives differ when you kind of move geographically. So, for example, in, in Singapore, mm-hmm. you know, it's a lot, at least like it seems to me that they're the at least the cultural skill set that you've been embedded with, like growing up and having and having in your first few roles. That's a little bit different. You know, I think, yeah, I think I think and you just have to you have to adapt your hiring screening and who you look for accordingly. So I think I think um, there's just very big shifts when you're when you're hiring one region from another, even if you're even if your methodology for for hiring is uh, is 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 pretty similar. Yeah, for sure. I feel like we need to bring you back, James, for another, I guess, insights on hiring the right type of people and what type of qualities you look for. Because I think that that's also very topical at the moment, given the current state of A, the economy, but also what's happening in the tech world at the moment. People are always curious on how they can position themselves in the right way. But that's probably, you know, a separate conversation. Now, I want to just completely pivot to more your personal life now. You've had a very busy career and I'm wondering how you've been able to balance a married life. I'm sure you've got a couple of side hustles as well and also a full-time job. How is that how have you taken that into account when you're building out such a successful career? And how do you, the main question is, how do you actually spend your time, yeah, James? Yeah, great question. I think um, <clears throat> a lot's changed since single, young, and um, had, uh, you know, kind of no <laughs> obligations. So I think I'll talk about how things change mm. and I'll talk about like kind of how I spend that time. Married life didn't actually change too much for me since the wife and I are already living together. But the biggest changes to me, like in that career would, or, or and just life experience were definitely moving to a Moving to Singapore, number one, probably number two is the greater level of work from home because that that changed like even the in-house dynamics quite a bit and the time dynamics. And then third was getting a dog, which I, I think a lot of people equate to like giving getting a kid, right? Having a kid. And so oh, yeah, baby. she's um, sitting in my yeah. lap right now. So. I can see he's very Aww. cute. So <laughs> in terms of where I spend my time today, definitely I do have a full-time job at a FinTech and that takes up my regular workday. I spend some of my time advising for like early stage companies. And that usually happens either very early mornings or evenings when it does pick up. I, you know, spend time like working out like most days to try to keep the dad bought off. You know, work night wise, I spend two weeknights a week with the wife, uh, about two with like networking with coworkers or, you know, like vendors. And then one or two nights catching up with buddies or new friends. To be honest, a lot has changed in my 30s. You know, in my 20s, I was literally at every tech industry party, networking event or conference before. I think now with a lot of things pulling my attention in various directions, every minute of my time is that much more limited. So I need to be really judicious. I think instead of going to, again, all the tech events, I'm, you know, trying to spend more time being a family man and uh, spending time at home cooking as well. But, you know, I think time is that much more valuable and your perspective on that changes, right? Like it pretty much used to be, you know, 90% devoted to career. 
right? And now I'm trying to spread it out as much as I can with like real life obligations that you, the, the people and things that you care about. So yeah, it's changed quite a bit, I would say. I love that because I think that's, that's an, an element that we talk about as well is finding fulfillment and what actually keeps us fulfilled a in the workplace but a lot of the things that also ticks the boxes is what we do in our personal time and how we balance our time i know i'm very much more selective in terms of what i uh, attend or where i make myself available at work whereas in my 20s i put my hand up for everything I was at every networking party, networking event, after hours, breakfast meetings. But now I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go to the gym and then I will work and then I'll only maybe do like one networking event. Um, not even weekly, James. So you're, you're you know, well above me. I probably do it once a month from a, from a networking aspect because I find it fairly tiring. And then I can't remember everyone's faces and names. So I need to like add them on LinkedIn straight away. So my memory is going to. <laughs> don't, don't um, give yourself too much of a hard time. I think uh, yeah, it's all the mechanism. I do the LinkedIn thing too. I think if you don't do it, then you're going to forget it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was once upon a time we had business cards, right? Oh my gosh. Guys. So those? I can't even remember those days. <laughs> but look, I think, James, you have given us so much to think about, and we hope that all of your insights, advice um, around career process, career journey, as well as how you've moved from the US as well as um, to a new country like Singapore and how that's impacted your life and the thought process behind that. I think that's really key because a lot of us want to do it, but sometimes that little chip on our, on, on our shoulder tends to talk us out of it. I mean, I've, I've done the whole live in the, the UK scenario and that's a, probably, again, a topic for another day, but we love that you've been able to share your experience. I would love to leave you with one last question around tips. Um, we can go back to the algorithms of Match.com um, if you'd like, but anything you want for our ladies, our listeners, our um, men out there, our non-binary, any last tips that you want to leave from a career aspect or even personal aspect? Yeah, I think um, tips-wise, you know, now more than ever is probably the right time to invest in yourself, meaning like <clears throat> there's so many ways that you can think about that, right? And I don't mean just like professionally too, because that also takes into account like mental health and everything. I think right now is the time to invest in yourself, whether you can do it like career-wise, personally, you know, maybe with the loved one, but you know, we're in tough times. And the thing, the way to, the way to kind of really make it through this time is to fortify your abilities, fortify, you know, yourself mentally and, um, and, and skill and skills wise so that, you know, you're ready for everything that, that, you know, is kind of thrown at you. So I think um, I think there's a lot of uh, times where when that becomes a lot more relevant, but you know, and right now is one of those. And so I definitely think that you know, I think as you're thinking about career and uh, your role and what you're doing and things that you could be doing on the side or parallel with with uh, with work, I think like definitely think about how you can enrich and invest in yourself to be more prepared for kind of what's upcoming and future stages of your career. Great advice, amazing. Thank you, James. I think yeah, that's great advice because I think. Everyone is looking at how to be more resilient because recent times, you know, COVID and now the potential recession, we need to think about how we become more resilient with our skills and how we can add more value, as you said earlier on, 
um, and, and continue to grow, right? Absolutely. And to kind of top that off, like, hey, if, the, if you're asking yourself, yourself that question, how do I add value? Am I adding a value? Do you feel like the answer is, answer to that is becoming less and less over time? Hey, how do I amp that up and change the game? You know, you should not be settling, right? Mm-hmm. So I think if you have a good monitor on that, that's going to be really uh valuable to prevent you from getting blindsided. Yeah, yeah. And I think yeah, we're seeing a lot of that at the moment. James, you have been an absolute superstar. Thank you so much for spending the time with us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for sharing all of your insights. You know, it's really one key point I want to make is it's great to hear from a male voice just to get a different perspective understand you know how you think what makes you tick and your approach all the best with your career i'm sure we will be in touch we'll certainly be following your career from a distance and we'll hit you up when we are in singapore absolutely yeah, please do Definitely. take you around and show you all the good food oh i can't wait <laughs> to meet your puppy don't forget to rate us five stars like subscribe and let us know what topics you want to listen to you've been listening to let's, let's take, take it, it offline, offline.